means she couldn't do the office work and the kids' church work because that would be a burden too great to bear. And uh, so we're happy to announce that we've hired a kids' church worker, and that is Jody Ward. So Jody will start actually this week, and uh, we're very excited about that. And we see the pros of having two skilled people outweighed the cons of having two people named Jody and the confusion that that might bring. There we go. Okay, so that's exciting. We're excited for Jody. We're excited for the church, excited for our kids. And here's Gary. How do you like the styling? Right? You got to know this, that when they, gave us, when they gave me this, it was a bit itchy. I had to, I, it, a washing did it well. Anyway, good morning and welcome to Christ Central Church. My name is Gary Gland. I'm one of the elders here at the church. And this is my lovely wife, Barb, who is... You have to be careful. If she, if she goes into the wind, uh, we could lose her. So... Uh, this morning is a bit different uh, for us as a church. What we're going to do this morning is we're going to take you on a bit of a, a, a whirlwind tour of our experiences in Zambia. And uh, I just, at the outset, I just feel like to say this, that there have been times in the past when you, uh, in different churches that we've been involved with, where people come back from a missionary trip, that kind of thing, and they share their experiences and so on. I want you to know that... that uh, we see it a little differently that, that this really isn't um, in, in as much an, a missionary trip as our family of churches sharing together and building on things that God has been establishing uh, over the years. And so uh, the term missionary is the term we don't really use that much anymore, and I think for good reason, because what we're doing is we're, is we're, building, we're building church, and based on our four values, we want to build first on friendships, Secondly, we want to build churches in word and spirit. Thirdly, we want to reach the nations. And fourthly, we want to extend God's kingdom. And so what we have been doing in the past month actually has been part of uh, all of those four values that we hold quite dearly. So what we're going to do this morning is we're going to start with a video uh, slideshow that will give you, uh, I guess, a sense of uh, some of the things that we've seen. And then we're going we're gonna to take it from there and we're going to do a bit of a, uh, a presentation just on some of the specifics and uh, we'll go from there. Is that good? So we're going to start with that. And by the way, yeah, you, you may or may not be disappointed. Uh, there will be no animals in this slideshow. Um, <clears throat> anyway, the only animals that are in that slideshow are us. But uh, anyway, we're going we're gonna, to uh, start with this. And uh, anyway, here we go. It's very difficult. Uh, there I go. <laughs> it's very difficult to put into words um, what God has put into our hearts over the past couple of weeks. Um, first and foremost, uh, what we want to say is uh, thank you, thank you, thank you to Christ Central Church, Fredericton. You guys are amazing. Um, there were so many times when we were away, we thought of different ones. And uh, faces would pop into our minds when we see certain things. And uh, we just want to say that uh, God has used 
you tremendously in our lives. And we don't say it enough that, uh, you know, in helping to lead a church, sometimes we just don't acknowledge um, just how wonderful it is to be in community together. And so just want to say that first off and that we love you guys and uh, we love uh, what God is building here in our city and in the nation and to the nations. Um, there was a prophetic word that uh, was given to us prior to leaving um, and uh, Gina gave it to us actually on the Sunday night before we left. And there were many prophetic words and pictures and, and they were all very important to us. But uh, you couldn't have known, Gina. Uh, the prophetic word was uh, something to the effect of when you go to Zambia, uh, you, will, um, you will bring the dust, uh, you will, you will, uh, your shoes will bring back the dust uh, and uh, you will not be able to shake the dust off your feet, but you will bring uh, Zambia back home with you. Um, that prophetic word was so key uh, in a lot of different things, but basically it was this, that you would not have known in the natural Gina and Christ Central, uh, it's the dry season, and they haven't had rain in months and won't have rain for yet a while, and everything is just one big dust bowl. And wherever you went and whatever you did, you were just covered with red PEI-like dust everywhere you went. And in fact, we still have on our, on our footwear the, the dust from Zambia. And we just really believe with a couple of things that I'm going to share today that that, that is actually a prophetic picture, not just for us, but for our church, that, that God is doing something quite significant. In, in our church and with what he's doing in our world. Um, so just on the slides, you'll see there's the map of Africa. So just so you have a geographic idea of where Zambia is, it's south of the Democratic Republic of the Congo, where our friends uh, are from, uh, Kinyanga and his whole family. And uh, essentially, Zambia is to the south, and it's in what they would call the heart of Africa. And um, so just uh, to give you another, let's see if I can get, yeah, here we go. There's the, the map of Zambia itself. We spent most of our time in the central northern parts of Zambia. So on the, on the map, I'm not sure if you can see it or not, but uh, right up, well, it's hard to really tell right now, but you'll see the city of Lusaka right almost bottom center. Um, Lusaka, Kabwe, and Kitwe and Ndola. That's the general region where we were. And uh, we spent our first uh, four days uh, being a part of uh, the Day Springs Church National Leaders Conference. It was the first New Frontiers Conference in Africa. And <clears throat> Joseph Mwila, who you'll meet in a few minutes in a short video clip, Joseph Mwila and his wife Lily have built an amazing, amazing church in Kitwe. And some years ago, just felt the need to be connected with other churches uh, that were on the same journey. And so, uh, through a course of events, became connected with some of our churches in the UK. And primarily, one of the main contacts for them has been a guy named Rob Coleman. And Rob and his wife, Helen, have been going in and out of Zambia now for about eight years and building relationships and so on, to the point now where Joseph himself, who has also 
planted at least 10 churches. In fact, it's kind of funny because he kind of loses count. But he's, he's planted 10 very significant churches in the northern uh, region of Zambia. And those churches that have been planted have been planting churches themselves. And things happen very quickly. And so this uh, four-day conference was a chance for all of those church leaders to come together with their wives and some kids to come together for four days and uh, have Jeremy and Ann Simpkins um, minister in the Word and with Barb and I as well as there as part of the prophetic team. And what we did was we spent four days just really learning about what it is and what mission that they're on and being able to pour into them just as much as they poured into us. So it was an incredible opportunity to be able to see how not only are they reaching the nations, but they have a tremendous heart for extending the kingdom of God into the various parts of their cities wherever they live. So this is uh, the entrance to the church building. And the church building is just new this past year. It's a wonderful complex that they've had to uh, labor at. And I mean, they've put so much work into it. It's amazing. And the country is relatively poor by our standards. But yet, um, they just have so much faith for what God is doing uh, to be able to uh, to be able to pull it off. I mean, it's just every time you look around, you're just like, like God is so faithful. How you know? How could they build this? And it's just been through God's faithfulness and His provision that they've been able to do it. And so when we came, we we were met with um, our the welcome team that was at the uh, at the uh, uh, the welcome table outside of the main area that we met, and <clears throat> we fit, came face to face with with uh, the honor culture that's very deeply ingrained into the culture. And uh, the first indication of that was we were all carrying our Bibles or our sling bags or whatever we had, and none of us were allowed to carry those into the meeting. They treated us with such honor. It was was almost embarrassing, actually. They just, they would take your stuff. He's like, where, where, you know, like being Westerners, like, where'd you go with my bag? You know, but uh, it wasn't quite like that. But they, they would, they would treat us as honored guests, and they would they would uh, not allow us to lift a finger, and so we had to get used to that over the course of the uh, over the course of the uh, uh, the time we were there, right from the first day to the last day. They really wanted to express to us their gratitude for us being there with them, and um, it was amazing uh, times of worship together, um, and uh, just just a beautiful spirit of unity that that existed. This, this slide here shows, uh, on the right-hand side, that's uh, Joseph Mwila, Dr. Joseph Mwila. And uh, he kind of laughs. He says, my doctorate's actually in chemical engineering. And uh, he, was, he was educated in the UK uh, for his university, but they call him the doc. And uh, between Barb and I are a beautiful couple. That's Bahadi and Miriam. And it's amazing the connections that you get with people just like that. You know, it just happens so quickly. They're working in the city of Dar es Salaam in Tanzania. It's a coastal city um, that you've never heard of probably. Um, how many have heard of Dar es Salaam? Maybe a few of you. A uh, city of two and a half, three million people that you never heard of. And uh, just uh, an amazingly wonderful couple who have endured such hardship for the gospel. Um, they are planting a church there. They have about 50 people that they're gathering. And uh, just... Uh, uh, just quite a humble story, actually. Uh, so loving, so so much self-effacing that they 
they wouldn't tell you the things that they've been through. But we did uh, come to understand that even just this past spring, um, through a few circumstances that happened, uh, their entire family was held up at Machete Point, uh, where a, a band of guys came to rob them in their home, had them all uh, kneel down and threaten them uh, basically with death unless he took uh, one of them to the ATM to pull out all their money, and they had to do it. And so this, this is the, the kind of thing that they're experiencing, uh, thankfully not regularly, but it's the kind of thing that happens and they were just such a blessing to us. It was, you know, you know, they would want us to pray for them. And it's like, oh, how can, you know, can you pray for us, you know? Um, just an amazing uh, group of people. Um, this is, I'm going to show you just a very brief video clip. I wish Keith and Tiffany were here to see this. Uh, we'll make sure they see it. But this is just a, a brief clip of uh, some of the worship in one of the meetings. And what they would do, they had a choir that would be in the background and they would have, it was, it was kind of like you're at a, an African Christian worship rap session where they would alternate, the guys would alternate and women would alternate in just grabbing the mic and, and ad-libbing worship. It was just incredible. And the choir would just, you know, they would just kind of work with them. And uh, so this, I don't even know who this is, but uh, he, we met him, but I, I can't tell you his name. But this just gives you an idea. Hopefully this will, the, the sound quality is not that good because I recorded it with my iPad. That's us having a good time. Um, but just an incredible time uh, of worship. Every meeting just had just seemed to mount on the next one. And, and these folks would worship. Uh, they, w- they would bring us into the meetings, we thought, late. Uh, the meeting was supposed to start at 7. Well, they would, they would uh, have us you know, in another area, and we were having tea with some of the leaders. And then they would bring us in. And they'd already been worshiping for half an hour, 45 minutes by the time we got there. And they would go on for another hour, and you never got tired of it. In fact, the Spirit of God would come in such weight that it was, it was almost like you were wondering if, if you were able gonna, really going to be able to walk out of there. Um, there, was just, there was just such a sense of His presence, and um, just, just, a, just a real impacting of, of what God's Spirit was doing. And so is, we, we could really learn a few things, not just that, to dance, because I'm pretty white in the way I dance. Jeremy Simpkins is whiter than I am, though. Um, so 
we spent four days in the conference, and one of the th- emphases of the conference was to make sure that we just aren't about planting churches, but we're also about affecting the world around us. And so the fourth value that we hold dearly to is to extend God's kingdom into whatever area of life we're involved in. And so in planting churches, you have to make sure that you're also affecting other things like health, education, um, business, and so on. And so um, this next couple, and I'm, I'm going to get Barb to share. Are you, are you sharing about the school or am I sharing? About, I'm sharing about the school. So uh, this next couple, uh, they're named Carolyn and Martin. Uh, he's Zambian. He was educated in the UK uh, for his university, met Carolyn, and the rest is history. They have, they have three wonderful children. Uh, they uh, ended up in Zambia. They're in a town, or town, I call it a town. It was actually a large, a large town by our standards, about uh, 350,000 people called Kapiri. And Kapiri uh, has the dubious distinction of being uh, the most concentrated uh, it's the city that has the most concentrated HIV population in Zambia. And uh, so it's rife with a lot of, uh, a lot of prostitution, uh, a lot of drug use, and so on. And they felt God calling them to go to Kapiri to build a secondary school because there was no secondary school in Kapiri. And in Kapiri, uh, in, as in the rest of the nation, the government pays for education up till the end of elementary. So after grade 7... You're on your own to pay for your education. And so they, they saw the need and they actually uh, built from scratch. God put it in, in Martin's heart, Martin and Carolyn's heart, to build from scratch a school in the middle of Kapiri. And it's absolutely incredible what God has done. So this school opened last February uh, in time for the start of semester. And that's, that's the main school building right now. And so um, that would house... Uh, the classrooms. Uh, so there are uh, right now three classrooms that they have, and they have three full classes of grade eight students. And so the the uh, desire is is that in January this year, or January of 2015, uh, they are going to be opening up the second wing because every year they'll add a year of study. And so um, the second wing that they're adding, it's going to be in the shape of a hexagon. And the second wing is opening and it's actually partially constructed. And they're going to be um, in need of teachers to go in January to teach. And so um, this is just a group of the students. And all of the students that are there are in the eighth year or eighth grade. And uh, they range in age from 14 uh, to 20. And so if you think about it, some of the kids have not had a chance to go to school because after elementary there was nothing, and now they are coming to school. So in order to go to school, you need to either pay uh, a tuition or be sponsored. And there are many uh, churches, there are churches in the UK that are sponsoring these kids to go to school on a monthly basis, uh, as well as uh, some of the parents of these kids can't afford to send them, but most of the students are being sponsored. Um, So they're... uh, their motto is learning together to grow in wisdom, and they're fir- firmly founded on God's principles in the school. And uh, just an amazing uh, staff, and here's the staff, and that's uh, Becky's long-lost cousin in the front center. Um, that's, uh, I think her name's Hannah, right? Or Lana, and she's from Belarus. And the lady on the left is from uh, Colorado, 
and there's Carolyn, and then there's uh, the guy in the back right is the school administrator, and Martin is on in the back left, and one of the teachers in the center in the back. And this is the current eighth grade year, and um, they all were very excited to come. It was the second day of their term, and so they're all dressed smartly in their uniforms, and um, it was just incredible to see the enthusiasm they have for learning. In the background, this is the current wing that they're using. In the background on the, of that photo, you'll see the second wing of what they're going to be, where they're going to be. The students that are there right now are going to be in that building in January, and the next new year will be in the current one, the current block. And so uh, that, that building will be ready for January. It's hard to believe that they can do so much uh, with so little. We went into one classroom, and the class had done uh, projects on different nations, and lo and behold, there's Canada. One of the kids had done a project in, on Canada. Notice that our maple leaf, if you can see it, is upside down, but that doesn't matter. <laughs> Worse has been done to our flag, I'm sure. Um, this is the inside of one of the classrooms. Uh, kids out in the, uh, out in the uh, hallway outside. The nice thing about Zambia is you don't have to build insulated buildings. And so it's basically block found, block or a cement foundation, uh, block walls with windows and uh, metal roofs, and, uh, but yet very sturdily constructed. This is the kindergarten. Uh, and as you can see, a shipping container is no place for kindergarten. And uh, one of the sweeties in there, um, she's actually Martin and Carolyn's smallest, but she goes to kindergarten there. And they are building, they are building um, a kindergarten building um, uh, for the kids uh, for next year. There's, there's, uh, there's Becky. Um, the, the really interesting thing about, about, the, uh, about the kids is when we were in the classrooms, they virtually ignored us. They just kept on going. They have such a hunger for learning. So I asked the teachers, I said, do you have any discipline issues? And they said, no. None. Um, the, the worst would be someone didn't do their homework. They, have, they know how rich they are to be in school, and they value it tremendously. So it's really quite, quite powerful. Um, so the first, the first aspect of kingdom building that we heard about in the conference was about this school. And a uh, tremendous thing. Um, I have a sense that what God's going to do with Martin is he's going to actually open many schools. He's just, this is just the beginning for them. I think they'll, they'll be opening many schools in relation to the one that they've built. The other part of this is that they really want to see a church planted out of uh, Dr. Mwila's, uh out of our family of churches into Kapiri. And so they just don't have, can you imagine, they say, well, we really don't have time to plant a church. Really? No kidding. Um, but they want to see a church planted because what the school does is it lends credibility to the gospel and the, the church will only provide that avenue for people to gather and to worship God um, together uh, in appreciation for what he's doing in their community. Uh, so the second, th- the second presentation we heard in the conference was from Lillian Mouila. And Lillian, on her, on her own right, uh, is an amazing woman of God, has a tremendous, tremendous impact on the things she does. And I'm going to get Barb to come and share about Lillian. Um, so Lily was a force to be reckoned with. <laughs> She's, she is 
it was like we didn't know what we were going to come across when we went to Zambia, and it was all very foggy because they don't make the kind of plans that we make. They're very laid back, (laughs) and so it would just be like, oh, well, you're just going to come and meet some people, and so we just had no idea, and then we met Lily, who um, met us with flowers, and when we first (laughs) arrived, and was just very honoring, like Gary said, but then, and she didn't say all the things that they were involved with. You'll have to advance it yourself. And so we, we, it just sort of unfolded as we were there. Like, she didn't tell us that she had kind of single-handedly um, got these two orphanages going, one for boys, one for girls, and a huge feeding program, and how the government <coughs> wanted her to do it all over Zambia and, and all this incredible things. And so we just sort of day by day it would be revealed, and, and she was so humble about it. Um, so the first thing we did was we went and saw her their training center um so that was in a did you already talk about a compound it's a com- the compound is where um it's not quite like the slums of india but it's it's pretty similar not very much electricity intermittent water um huge families in like one or two rooms and um just no, not very, very many food, and actually, a generation pretty much not non-existent because of AIDS. So a lot of child-run households, and or just kids with no parents, or sometimes grandparents trying to help, but they're uh, they don't live their their life expectancy in in a place like that is around 40 years old. So there's not much of that generation either. So in this school. What they're doing is they're they're just teaching kids trades, basically. So woodworking and some computer things and sewing and how to get a business going. So once a child is about 13 or so, they start learning all of that along with some academics. So we were just kind of discussing how um, they're just doing it by trial and error. So they were just trying to figure out if we had any ideas and uh, this is leading over to the the girls' orphanage. And they don't call it an orphanage. They don't call them orphans. They say, <laughs> now it's my turn to get chugged up. They're, they're actually foster parents for all of them. So they call them their children. And they just take such ownership of people in need. Like, it's, it was pretty powerful. This is just uh, some of the rooms, and uh, they're, they run on a shoestring, so they get everything <coughs> they can secondhand, or um, I don't even, she's quite a scavenger, so I'm not even sure where they get all of things, but this next one is uh, the feeding program, so they would, on top of their 50 children that they look after every day, they feed about 125 kids that wouldn't eat. Um, three times a week, and then another organization does it three times a week. Um, so here they were. They're late for their dinner because we're there, and they put a little show on for us first of singing and dancing, and um, and they're just waiting patiently for um, food that to us would be like really minimal food. That's called shima. That white looks like potatoes. It's made out of corn. And so it's... Uh, 
yeah, just something to really fill your belly. And that was us with Lily. Um, so another part, um, so there's lots more about Lily, <laughs> we could say, but another part of the conference after Lily spoke, um, this guy Tony Harwood spoke, and we became good friends with him. Uh, he's from the UK, but he's been living in Zambia for 10 years and um, visited quite a lot before that and kind of lived all over the world, actually. And um, so his heart, he's a businessman, but his heart is to show um, everyday Zambians how to, how to prosper and how to be a good business person or a good farmer that can make a profit. A lot of them are subsistence farmers, and so a lot <coughs> of the pastors that came they would just have their own sort of farm to try to eke out an existence, but they're not, it's hard because <laughs> it's either rainy or really dry. So um, they, they kind of just make it <laughs> from day to day. So he, is, he has some very cool ideas based on foundations of farming, of, of how to, to show them how to do a business. And so he did this little... Um, uh, he wanted to just show them that he could, so he got a guy to come forward, and he showed him how to start a shoe-shining business, and he got people to give their shoes that need them shined, and he, so the guy had to invest five kwacha, which, um, it's, I don't, I don't know how 50 to... 50 cents. Yeah, 50 cents of our money, and, uh, so that was hard, because some people, they put up their hand, but they didn't have five kwacha, so someone had to have that, and then he showed him how to double his money and buy the business. And so he, that's part of his thing. He's going to go around and show them just to have, you just, he said you just have to see a need and fill it, and that's how you do a business. And so it was really cool. He's very filled with the spirit as well as, as a really good businessman. Um, do you want to talk about Foundations sure. of Farming? Yeah. So Foundations for Farming, I don't need to have my own. Um, a guy named Brian Algrove, who uh, is from the UK, he developed a whole uh, very innovative way of farming uh, that will enable uh, small farmers and even bigger farmers to preserve the land and have higher yield in their crops. And he's actually working uh, in Canada now and working in Sherbrooke, Quebec, with a friend of ours named Chris Hornibrook. And may, some of you may know the Hornibrooks. They're from Fredericton. Well, Chris Hornibrook uh, is a friend, personal friend of Brian Algrieve as well. And actually, what's interesting is Andrew Dreiza has been connected with Brian Algrieve, who actually started everything he's doing in Africa. And this guy's name is Ben Frampton. And Ben and his wife are uh, involved with teaching Zambians how to farm effectively and efficiently. And uh, it's an amazing prospect. And what you see in the picture, he, he gave an amazing demonstration. First thing he asked was, how much land would you need to feed your family uh, for a month? And um, anyway, the hands went up and they were all, they were using a measure of land, um, which I am not familiar with. Um, but anyway, they would say, we need three of these or we need four of these. He said, what if I told you you could feed your family in one plot? And you could feel the tension in the room like they didn't believe him. And uh, basically, uh, he said that on the left, he had a big bag and he dumped it out. And there were corn, ears of corn that 
were grown from one plot of this particular uh, of, of this uh, variety of corn that they used to make their cornmeal uh, shima. And essentially, he compared the ear of corn that they're able to grow with the typical ear of corn that these farmers are able to grow, which is the corn uh, ears on the right, which are about the th- a third of the size of the ones that they're able to grow. And not only that, <clears throat> they can they can feed their entire... They, a, a Zambian farmer can feed his entire family on one-third of the land uh, that most of the other farmers can do. And it's quite impressive when you see it. And uh, anyway, they ha- he had a video that he showed uh, of people that he'd worked with, and uh, it was an amazing thing. Now, the, the, the thing is, is that the farmers that aren't employing this method in the area of Zambia he's working in are jealous of the ones that are doing it. And so they've had some problems with uh, vandalism and so on of crops, and in fact, one day, and uh, he tells the story that, you know, they, they, had a, they had a tract of land where they were using the foundations for farming principles, and some of the villagers were so jealous that they herded some elephants to run through the crops, to destroy the crops. And they did it, they, they tried to do it, but the elephants at the last second turned and veered off the other way, and they just feels that, that it was God that preserved it, and basically uh, that they would understand, the, the ones that were trying to damage the crops would understand that, okay, well, there is something special here going on. So it was really quite amazing to hear the story. So very practically, these people were impacted uh, with a method of farming that can actually uh, cause them not just to feed their family more efficiently, but to use the land that they would have used to feed their own family to sell the crops to others, right? So it's this whole thing of um, using God's principles and using Jesus as the foundation for what we're doing. Um, one of the, John uh, Waugh actually asked this morning, uh, before we came in, he said, what was, what was the, uh, the big thing? Uh, what was the big memory or the big, the thing that impacted me most uh, when we were there? And I could say a lot, but, I mean, outside of seeing elephants and giraffes and crocodiles and hippos and all that, that was amazing. But the thing that actually impacted me the most, and I'd say had the, the biggest impact going forward, was we had a, a, a team meeting one Tuesday morning where Joseph's team and our team were together. And it just, it was, without going into all the details because time won't warrant it, there was just such a sense that God was building a new partnership and, uh, with the UK, Canada, and Zambia. That there's this new uh, partnership that God is inaugurating, and uh, it's it's one of those ones where you just say, well, yes, but how? And so now it's a matter of trying to figure out, as we go forward, how do we, as Canadians living in Canada, how do we partner, not just with the UK, but partnering with Zambia, not as them being the nation that always needs to take or receive, but an equal plural partnership where they have much to give us. And we felt that very, uh, very much so. So I'm going to play this very short video clip that we recorded on the Zambezi River. And we just thought it would be a good clip to show you uh, just to give you a sense of, of, um, of, of what I've just talked about. Uh, the sound quality is not that great. It was recorded on the iPhone and there's a bit of wind. So you'll have to strain to listen. But I'll turn the volume up at least. And uh, maybe Dave, you can help us in the back. Uh, so this is, uh, it's one of those hopefully not too stiff a video, and you have to excuse 
uh, we all have, well, outside of Joseph and Lily, Barb and I, our hair is all getting blown around. And Anyway, so God is doing something. And uh, this involves you as much as it involves us. And though some of you may never get to Zambia, I believe many of you will. I believe many of you, uh, whether it's for the short term or the long term, I believe that over the course of these next years, that if, if God has spoken to us that we're to partner, that means that, that it, has to, it has to go beyond just us. Right? So, there, oh, Barb wants to say something. That when Gary was talking about the thing that impacted him the most, the, the thing, well, everything impacted us, as you can see, but the thing that impacted me the most was with Lily and with Tony and with all of them, really, is they don't get paralyzed by the huge need. They just do what they can do. And I think sometimes in our lives, you know, you look at your work situation or your home or whatever, and you can't, your feet just get stuck because you think, where do I start? Like, there's so much. They don't even think like that. Like, I said something like, oh, I don't know. It, it's, it seems negative when I say it out loud, but I said, oh, this must seem like a drop in the bucket to you. And they're like, what? No. What? Because there's so many people that they could have in their orphanage, like thousands, and they have 50. And she said, no, like, we're, we're just... We're just walking forward and doing what we can do as as God allows us and opens the door. And we, why would we not want to love these fifty just for the sake of the thousands that we can't help? And it was it was very impacting. And and Tony was was showing how you can make a difference with one kwacha, which would be like ten cents. <laughs> and so we it really made me think differently about everything because I think and and they're not self protective. So after we had this barbecue with our with the whole church, a hundred people, there was food left over, and they're poor, and they didn't say, "Oh, we're going to keep this for tomorrow." They opened it up to all the people that were looking over the gate, <laughs> that were like starving, to come in and eat it. And I just thought, so often, like we think, "Oh, I better put that away for me," and they, and they don't think that way. It was really like we really did learn a lot from them for sure. So, practically speaking, and you'll hear more about this later, I just want to share with you one need that they have immediately that we'd like to contribute to. And we're going to put the same uh, challenge out to Vancouver, because Barb and I are out in Vancouver in two weeks. And uh, the same thing will be uh, shared in Ontario at our gathering um, in October. Essentially, Joseph and his team, his apostolic team, are starting a a leadership training course in September. And this course that they're offering is is basically been it's being given to them, uh, not at not at not without cost. There is cost attached to bring the course to these leaders. So they have 25 pastors that they're going to be training in the foundational uh, doctrines of the church. So grace, I mean, all of the apostolic doctrine that we hold dear, they're going to be training pastors, uh, which is something they've wanted to do for a long time. So the idea came to us, we were talking about, what about the reading materials for this, uh, for this uh, course? And so they were saying, well, maybe someone could start a printing press and everything, and then we just said, nah, that doesn't make any sense. And so um, anyway, I just felt that God spoke to us about the idea of, 
of, uh, I just saw the word Kindle. And I said, what about, and it was one of those ones where you say it, and then all of a sudden things just start to roll out. But uh, what about the idea of providing Kindles to the pastors that come to the course that are owned by the course? And so um, the idea would be to, uh, for the Canadian churches, I said, you know, we're going to take this to our team. So we brought it, I brought it to the elders last week. And we decided we'd like to go ahead to initiate uh, us providing Kindles for the leadership course for the pastors. And so what we can do is that every, um, every Kindle that is purchased uh, for the course can be preloaded with books that we would also provide so that they can do their course reading stuff uh, on a monthly basis. And so uh, every, uh, every title that you have on a Kindle, you probably know, can be extended to five Kindles. And so it can be very efficient in the way that it's done. So what we're going to do in the, over these next couple of weeks, we're not going to do it today, but uh, we'll put information about this on the church website. But we'd like to give you the opportunity to be a partner with us in providing the Kindles for uh, the pastors. One Kindle is going to cost $110, and we need 25 of them. Plus, we need to buy books for the pastors. And so the entire budget for this uh, the entire budget for this that we feel would be enough and adequate to, to cover it would be about $5,000 if you were to consider the Kindle purchases, the, the books that we want. And we, I mean, we don't want to leave them tight. We want to give them an opportunity to have, uh, an, you know, have some books if they want to purchase more books later on. So you're going to hear about this. We'll put it on our website. But next Sunday and over the next few weeks, we're going to give you the opportunity in the offering to uh, give towards the Kindle project. And so we're going to, by faith, we're just going to, we're going to, we're working out the details right now, but by faith, we're going to order them. And we're going to put the same challenge out to Vancouver and, like I said, to Ontario. Pardon? And Charlottetown. Yeah, actually, we spoke to Andrew the other day. So, um, anyway, it's very exciting for us to be able to directly help them in training. And if you've been a part of any training here in our church, you know how beneficial it can be. So I'm going to invite Joel and the team to come. And I just feel like in, in, uh, with the things that were shared this morning and uh, with what I shared during the worship, the fact that God has called us to be a prophetic people. He's called us to be a people that has a vision. There, there was one, the second song in the slideshow says, people open your eyes. Like that and, and there's a little, there's a picture of a girl there. It's like, I feel like God is asking us to open our eyes um, and to consider uh, the world beyond us and that God is actually doing something quite different uh, with us. And so uh, I'm just going to ask you to stand and we're going to worship God and uh, we're not going to have people come forward for prayer unless you want to, but we just, we just want to be in that position where we're responding to God and what he's put into our hearts. And uh, as we go into the fall, we have wonderful things that we're going to be doing here. We're going to be doing our Alpha course. Uh, We're going to be doing uh, a number of other outreach things. We have the Brian Houston. But also God has called us to look beyond our own city and to go to the nations. And so um, we're we're going to continue to pursue this partnership. And perhaps there's something that you heard this morning that has jumped in your heart and you're feeling like, I want to know more about this or about that, we'd love to be able to talk to you about that as well. So I'm just going to pray and uh, we're going to ask 
the Holy Spirit to come. And uh, we're going to finish this morning and uh, just give our worship to him. And again, thank you, thank you, thank you so much. Because actually, in us going, we brought you with us. And uh, you know what? We've brought them back with us here to Fredericton. And so, Lord Jesus, this morning, we just want to thank you for how your Holy Spirit works. Your Holy Spirit puts things in our hearts. And, Lord Jesus, we want to thank you for what you've given to us. You've given us grace and mercy, that which we didn't deserve. And you took upon yourself our shame and our sin. And because of your great generosity in giving your life for us, we can now live for you. And so, Lord Jesus, we're asking your Spirit to come. And would you speak to us? And, Father, we love you. We love what you're doing in Jesus' name. Let's worship God as we close this morning.